What's up, Ibrahim? What's up, Tamim? What's going on, guys? Pretty good. How are you? Pretty good, man. All right. So, so far, this is how we're doing in our picks. Uh, Me and Tamim are tied at four and three. And uh, Ibrahim, you're in the lead five and two. So, nice. um, yeah, uh, I don't know. So far, what's, what series surprised you the most? I think we all got the Thunder and the Blazers wrong. Like, we did, picked the Thunder Ebo, to win did, six. Ebo, did you pick the Spurs to win tomorrow? Uh, no, I believe I chose the no, Nuggets uh, to win. The line for that one was the Nuggets. Like, that was a terrible line, to be honest. It was the Nuggets uh, winning by five and a half games, and we all went over. So, mm, yeah. But, yeah, I, mean, I, I said it could go to a seven, and if it goes to seven, the Nuggets will pull it out. But, um I can see the Spurs pushing it to seven, which they did. So yeah, I mean, I'm already wrong. I thought the Nuggets would win in six games. To be honest, I thought they were a lot more talented than the Spurs. But yeah, I think yeah. Cam, you said the Spurs would win in like six or seven games, right? So if we were to, if I, me, if the Spurs were to win that series, how would the record look on that? Uh, well, I mean, because we all picked the uh, Nuggets to go over, uh, or the, we all picked the series to go over five and a half games. So it doesn't really matter. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. yeah okay. But it will get more interesting with the other ones. But, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to talk about the Thunder and Blazers series, though, because we all really didn't see that coming. So what did you guys think of that one? I have some pointed opinions on it, but I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts. I think that series alone speaks for the fact that the NBA is changing where probably in the past, if you had a center that just dominates the matchup, you're going to have a huge advantage. And that was a result of teams not having the same level of shooters as they do now. The Blazers, the Blazers have great shooters on their team, and they've shown that even without, you know, having their starting center and Adams having a huge advantage on the offensive rebound and in the paint, they were still able to dominate. Okay, I'm going to interrupt you really fast, though, Tam, with one thing. If you look at, like, pay, uh, points in the paint, it was actually pretty close every single game. Yeah, and that's the thing, bro. I don't think Adams really dominated the way that he should have. Like, I think it kind of showed Adams is a little bit overrated. Like, they pay him, like, over $20 million a year. And he didn't even take advantage of the matchup. Like he wasn't really like a like a threat on the boards in the paint, like you said. So personally, I think it just it's so looked more on Adams. I think so much of that is just how the Thunder were using him. But I also think it's defensively the, the Blazers were spreading him out. So he had he had to come way out and guard Lillard on switches. And I think when you're when you're doing that, I think it changes the mindset of your center as well. Because on the defensive end, when he's like when he's thirty feet away from the rim. Yeah, it's hard to be in a mindset where you're just wrestling with the guy. No, I, like, I agree. I mean, they took him out of the game, quite honestly. Yeah. So I think that speaks more to the Blazers than it does to Adams. But I think I should have – someone who, like, really values shooting, I should have seen that game. I should yeah. have seen that play out the way it did. Exactly. But, I'm surprised. You seem like a – you're an anti-Russell Westbrook guy too, so I'm very surprised that you yeah, ended up under. I think, I think yeah, was, I was surprised that you didn't – Go with yeah. Blazers initially. Me just doubting my own smile, like just doubting myself. Yeah, I think at some point you kind of it's a wisdom of the crowd thing. Like everyone's going thunders, you're like, oh, I can't be the Blazers, you know? Yeah, right. And and I think what you said to me about the NBA is changing. I think it's already changed. Like it's already gone to that point where it's been clear throughout the entire season. The Blazers are a pretty underrated team. They always kind of start slow, but they have better shooters. And the Thunder, I mean, at home, maybe they shoot a little bit better, but they just don't have more than, like, one or two guys who consistently shoot the basketball. Mm-hmm. And if your role players can't do it and your star player and Russ can't do it and Paul George is playing inconsistent, then there's just no way you're going to have success yeah. in the playoffs, you know? That's just what it is. 
Yeah, I mean, another um, thing about I think, the Thunder. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Ebo. You can finish, and then I'll... Uh, no, I was going to say, what you said about Steven Adams is true, because that's just not his skill set, you know? And that's, I think now we can kind of see that he isn't a guy who, if you give him the ball down low, he'll dominate, because he doesn't have that skill set. He can run a nice pick and roll with Russ. He can rebound decently well, and he's a good rebounder, but he's not so good that it's going to, like, elevate your team's game mm-hmm. to the next level in the playoffs. I think and that's just I'm, that's the reality. Was that I was I thought Adams would get a lot more action in the post going up against Cantor, but that's something that Thunder didn't really do. The first couple of games, they tried it, but I think they just weren't happy with their offense doing that, and so they just kind of went away from it. But I should have realized that, you know, you can't go to your center and just expect him to dominate the game and – because that's just not how the NBA is anymore. Right. That's just not how it's played. And especially when, against the Blazers when they're yeah. like running it a lot quicker and, they're, and they're, um, their game is just like a little bit more fast paced. If you try and slow the game down and you have someone like Adams down low, he's not going to bounce it out for you. you I know? mean, the other thing is they posted him up almost like three and a half times a game and he scored 0.8 points per possession. So I mean, it's Jeez. like he, he wasn't even doing good against Canner, and that's the thing you're you're paying him twenty million dollars a year. This is the bigger thing about the Thunder, right? They have Russ on like a mega contract, which looks like honestly, other than John Wall's contract, is Russell Westbrook's contract the worst in the league? You know, probably, like, yeah. But it's it's also maybe because Paul's Thunder. So the reason they were able to attract Paul George is because of Russell Westbrook. If okay. they didn't have Russell Westbrook, they aren't a big market they're not going to attract superstars. So I think when you're, when you're in a city like Oklahoma city, you have to overpay stars. That's just something you got to do in order to keep your talent. I, you're going to see the Utah jazz. They're going to overpay um, Donovan Mitchell whenever his rookie contract ends as well. But it's just small cities like that where it's just, you're, you're not going to, you know, LeBron isn't ever thinking about coming to Oklahoma city thunder. You know, Kevin Durant will never come to the jazz. You know, there's just like some realities with what you have to deal with. And that makes it. So you overpay for student stars. For certain yeah. starts. And I think it's the same thing with Westbrook. That's true. That's true. I mean, that's a good point. I, I just think it's the fact that Russell Westbrook is never going to be like a tier one point guard. Like he's always going to be in that kind of like second tier. So when he goes up against players like Damian Lillard, I feel like your team won't have as much of a chance just because like. Well, this, this year was pretty. He shot his lowest from three point, the, from the three point range that he's, I think he's ever shot. Yeah. From this was yeah. like a career low. I think he had, think he had the worst shooting season by like any player almost in NBA history. Um, not only from outside, but even from mid range. So it's like, yeah, he was, was shooting terribly outside, but if you have, he was the absolute worst. Yeah. He's like 148 which is, out of 148 qualified. Exactly. Which is like really, really bad. And it's a, it's a guards league. So I, I think you, what your point is about star players coming to Oklahoma city and him attracting them is a good point. But in today's league, if you're paying a guy $45 million and he's shooting 20% from three in a playoff series, while the other guy is, like shooting lights out at some point, you know, that's just not, it's just not going to work. You know, it's just a bad contract. Yeah. Um, but I get your point where it's going to attract stars and it's going to make them a contender mm-hmm. um, or not a contender, but at least a playoff team. So that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, just imagine the thunder without Russell Westbrook. I think one thing they can do, one thing their GMs can do is they could start attracting more shooters. So they're, they're playing guys like Grant, you know, 35 minutes a game. He's a great player. He's a great defender. But at some point, you have to think about shooting in order to keep up with the teams that you're going to have to be in the West. Yeah. But but the thing is that that's never been kind of Sam Presti's MO. Like, there's been a lot of discussions about this. And he he kind of likes getting those lengthy kind of tweener players. And he never really has gotten shooters, you know, as like role players. 
Well, so I think he'll have to change. change. Yeah, he'll have to change. Exactly. Yeah, you have to you have to adjust at some point, right? If you if you go through continuous first round exits with you know a team that's fully paid out to the salary cap too. Yeah, exactly. At some um, point, you gotta you gotta adjust. Yeah. So, what series do you guys want to talk about next? Um, I think a super surprising one was the Warriors, how they're playing right now. Like game seven is tonight, <laughs> or sorry, game six is tonight. Game six. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I never expected it to go this far, to be honest. But yeah, I'm just surprised at how careless and lackadaisical they look on the defensive end. Um, and then I know Tamim, you think that the offensively they they've just kind of gone away from what makes them successful. And I think that's true to some extent, but ultimately they just don't look good. They don't look tuned up and they don't look very focused, um, which is very surprising for the Warriors to do that in the playoffs. And I, I don't know, man, it's, it's looking a lot better for the Rockets. I don't think the Rockets will win, but it's looking better and better for the Rockets, the way the Warriors are playing. Yeah. I think this is the year that the Rockets will win. And I say that because teams have teams are starting to figure out how to defend golden state without switching. And that's something that we're seeing the Clippers do. So they're not traditionally speaking the past couple of years. The only way you you defend the lineup of death is you switch every single screen and roll and you figure out how to play with that. You know, you gotta go small. The Clippers have shown in spurt that they can defend the Warriors without going small. And they just help off of guys like Iguodala and Draymond green and as a Bogut as well. If you look at the reason I think they won game uh, game five is because Iguodala had a horrible shooting night. And I think if he just made two more threes, that's a completely different game because now you can't ignore him as much as you, as much as they did. And that the golden state's whole offense is Curry running off the screen, off screens, Durant sort of in the uh, pinch post and then clay running off of screens as well. And sort of warriors kind of just finding those guys. And like, it's really, it's really efficient offense. You don't turn the ball over. But it doesn't work when you have guys that like, can switch out and are athletic, that like, can get out and contest those type of shots they like to get. And you have guys like Iguodala and Draymond Green who aren't hitting any shots. Yeah. And so I think, and I think it's part of the other thing is the NBA has changed so much where offenses are starting to emulate what the Warriors do in terms of shooting and uh, wing play. So offenses in general are just getting more consistent and better. And I think the, the Rockets, their offense is a lot better than it used to be. The Clippers' offense is a lot better than it used to be. And so that that competitive edge that the Golden State's known to having, that is it's really starting to shrink. I think that's what we're going to see next round. I think they'll handle the Clippers t- uh, tomorrow or today. And um, but I think it, they're a vulnerable team, especially this year, in my opinion. I agree, yeah, I but I, I disagree with the side of the ball that you say that the the that they're vulnerable on. Like, yeah, okay, offensively, like yes, they they, they lack shooters. Like, there's no real solution to that. They have Curry, Clay, and Durant. And other than that, I don't think they have that's another it. reliable shooter, right? Yeah. But that's not changing. They just don't have the depth on that side anymore. Right? That's not going to change ever. Like, there's nothing they can do now that's going to change that. But what yeah. they can change is put in some sort of effort on defense. Like, Draymond Green is playing terrible on defense. Like, that guy has gotten blown by by Jermichael Green. Like, I, I've lost count in this series, like, how many times he's gotten blown by by Jermichael Green. So, at, at, that, at some point, you have to say, all right, you know what? Like, I have players who are supposedly great at defense but if they're not playing well why don't i just put in someone else like looney has been kind of playing really well uh you know uh he, he's he's done a good job of kind of being a factor on both ends of the floor he can switch a little bit um you know he does what he's supposed to do and he plays hard which is the most important thing for their team he plays hard yeah. but i'm just i'm just wondering how effective is he going to be against a lineup that Houston brings out where they have four shooters in Clint Capella. Like what is he really going to do? That's going to be effective in that 
lineup. You know what I mean? He well, can't switch on to a shooter. I think I think he can sh- he can switch out at a decent pace. And I think so. PJ Tucker, he's known for fighting on. He's still for getting offensive rebounds, and I think he's gonna be if uh, Iguodala isn't gonna be guarding PJ Tucker. I don't believe he is, and I think whoever guards um, PJ Tucker on offensive rebounds, he's gonna have to deal with that. So if you put Looney in and he switches out, I'm okay. Like as a as a Rockets fan, that's more effective to me. Knowing that Looney is going to be in a position to get offensive rebounds, as opposed to Iguodala, who on the offensive end is just going to be missing a bunch of threes. So I think if you look at like the net rating for the Clippers in um, in Game Five, the Hampton Five they had, like, they're negative thirty five. I think I don't know the exact number, but they're they're pretty bad. And I think that just goes back to my original point of how the Warriors are more defendable than they used to be. And so you have to, if you're Steve Kerr, you have to figure out ways to win without playing the without just you know relying on what's worked in the past. And I think that's when that's where Looney comes in because you know he won't he won't give you, you know, shooting on offense, but he'll give you offensive rebounds. Yeah, and he'll give you solid defense, and that's and that's that's more effective than just having a guy stand out and you know be ineffective and exactly missing threes. That ultimately gives that gives Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Kevin Durant a potential extra possession to make those threes, exactly. rather than just give Iguodala the ball and he he shoots twenty eight percent or thirty percent or whatever. Yeah, that's that's a yeah. fair point. They do have to make that change at some point. Um, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. they need to start starting Looney too. Like Bogut is not getting it done. Like they got to get Bogut off the floor. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's not getting it done against the Clippers. He's definitely not going to get it done against the Rockets. But I think he's still valuable to them if they do advance down the road against a team like the Blazers or potentially the Raptors or Bucks or whatever. But yeah, as of right now. Yeah, as unplayable. of right now, Bogut is like next to useless. But I mean, yeah, as far as the Warriors Rocket series goes, um, I think the Rockets come in with all the momentum right now. So I think it is a silver lining that the Warriors do kind of have an, like a few extra games or a, an extra game against the Clippers to kind of figure mm-hmm. out like, okay, how are we going to play against the Rockets? Because if you think about it, like this is the tune up for them. Like they're supposed to get tuning up for the Rockets. And if they have another game, I think it's a silver lining that they can kind of learn how to play better and Kirk can get his rotations down. Yeah, yeah but, but it's also the Rockets get more time to rest. And I think that's something they need because they're a team that they rely heavily on two players, Chris Paul and James Harden. And however more fresh those two guys are, especially now that Chris Paul is getting a little bit older and we know Harden has a history of getting tired in the playoffs. Those guys need all the rest they could possibly get. If that gives them a, a boost for game one and two, then that's that's all the more power to Houston. That's so, true. I mean, the Rockets definitely have an advantage, but I mean, speaking from the fact that the Rockets already have an advantage because the Warriors are playing so terribly, at least the Warriors have yeah. a game to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I think that rest is going to be really valuable for James Harden because he was looking a little gassed in game four, I think it was. And, yeah. No, um, even, yeah, yeah, like even said, game five as well. Yeah, he has a history and the amount that he's carried them this season and in the past, he needs as much rest as he can get because if it does go to game seven, like we saw last season and the season before and the season before that, his shooting does suffer as the series goes on. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, the, obviously James Harden has to play at an MVP level for them to have a chance to win. Right. So yeah. any, any extra day helps. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So the last series I want to talk about for a move to the second round, um, how about we talk a little about the nuggets and the Spurs? I think this has been one of the more entertaining series that's been going on, mm-hmm. even though it's been on NBA TV uh, for most of the games. But I think it's been really fun. Game seven is tomorrow on Saturday. Uh, I mean, first, who do you, get, who do you guys see winning? Um, I still think the Nuggets can pull it out. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I think the Nuggets uh, can still pull it out. They Ultimately, they have more talent. They'll be at home. Um, they have all those advantages in their favor. 
I think they play, they've shown that they can play well against the Spurs and figure out what to do. I mean, they had a three, two lead and the Spurs are just an extremely well coached team that came out and played really well. They also have a lot more experience. So, um, I think the Nuggets will win it ultimately, but it'll be a good game. The Spurs have played fantastic. Yeah, so I had the Spurs in six. You know, it's going to be hard to win game seven on the road for the Spurs. I still think they can do it. I don't think we should, we can uh, discount Popovich. The Spurs, they're known for taking away what you do best. They take away Jokic, take away the points of the paint. And hey, Jokic, had all, from there. Jokic had 43 last game. And I think since yeah, so one, he's he's been basically like triple-double all the time almost. He's playing. He's playing great. But I'm. I'm saying overall, in terms of offensive rebounds, in terms of everything else in the paint, pick and roll p- points in the paint, where it's just Jokic is getting dives at the rim and he's he's making easy shots. Those are shots that Popovich is trying to take away. And I think the the Nuggets can. The Nuggets probably, you know, if I were to bet a game seven, like I I could see them winning it. But I think it'll be ultimately be the Spurs. And I think it, I think so just because, um, they I think they're the better team overall. And I think with if DeRozan has a game that I expect him to have, they'll have enough on the offensive side of the ball to win. And I think Rudy Gray's been playing great as well. So, yeah, I think the big thing about this series is that the Nuggets I think have the overall best player in Jokic, but then the Spurs have the next like two or three guys with Aldridge and DeRozan and the way Derek White's been playing. So Derek White, just, yeah. So it just kind of comes down to like, are the Spurs gonna, or is anyone from the Nuggets gonna step up? Because in Game Two, when Murray stepped up, they got a win. Uh, Malik Beasley, I think it was in Game uh, Game Four, stepped up and had a good game. So uh, it kind of just comes down to who on the like, like Gary Harris has had a few good games and they win. So it really comes down to can the other guys in the Nuggets get it going? And that's kind yeah, of like that's a great thing point. I'm looking for. Um, and That's I think a great the Nuggets have been playing really good defense too. If you watch the games like the Spurs, like all the shots they take are more or less contested. Like they're DeRozan making a tough shot, Aldridge is like a tough turnaround and stuff, like late clock kind of shots. So I think I think the Nuggets really are in a good position. They just need to like not be youthful and they need to just kind of execute down the stretch. Yeah. Which is difficult though, because that that's kind of been their challenge in this series, right? Where they're making those young inexperienced playoff mistakes guys like murray or harris or whoever are playing inconsistently from quarter to quarter or game to game and like obviously they have the potential and the talent to come out and and play really well like they did in game five but um it's just a matter of if you don't have the experience and the moment is too big for you and you never played in a game seven then you may not you may not have that performance that you need you know yeah, no, exactly. You have a good point, but I think you know home home team, uh, home court advantage would help. Um, I think another big thing is like uh, usually the team that's won the game in this series has been in the very like kind of last five minutes of the fourth quarter they go on a run, and I think that's mm-hmm. easier to do at home when you have the momentum behind you than it is to do on the road. Yeah, that's true. That's a fair point, and I I, I think the Nuggets will win. I think it'll be close, but uh, nothing in this series is really that's surprising to me because of how well the coach, how well coached the Spurs are. Um, and then how youthful the Nuggets are and, and kind of after Jokic, there's just several guys who could step up into the clear cut number two option, but they just maybe don't perform well enough all the time. Yeah. And that's just the challenge in the playoffs. Yeah. So really fast to kick off the second round then, um, which one of these teams do you think makes it tougher on the Blazers and how many games do you see the Blazers winning in? Or do you see an upset in the next round? Um, I would personally, I would say the Spurs. And you think I the say Spurs make it tougher. Okay, I say so because 
with when you when you play a team like the Blazers, you need tremendous focus from your bigs. In order to defend the Blazers, your your bigs have to come out and hedge. And I think that's something the the nug the uh, the Thunder they did a decent job with. That. I think the problem with the Thunder was the offense. But I think the Spurs have some athleticism on the wings. They also have, you know, Aldridge is a pretty good pick and roll defender, in my opinion. And so I think the Spurs they're going to take away um, those easy baskets that, that Lillard gets off of screen rolls, and they'll take they'll take it away just enough um, to slow the Blazers' offense down. And and then on their side of the ball, um, I think DeRozan and Aldridge will have. Uh, great success pick and roll. Um, I think Cantrell will get exposed um, consistently. I think because I, I think the Spurs have a more efficient offense than OKC. But um, I, you know, for for me, it's tough to say the Nuggets will stop the will stop them because of how Jokic isn't a great pick and roll defender. Jokic isn't a great uh, perimeter defender, and I think if you're going to rely on um, Jokic to defend Lillard in the pick and roll, which is ultimately what what the last five minutes of any game are going to come down to you. Damon will just torch will just he's just gonna eat off that. So yeah, I mean I don't think the Blazers will have trouble with either of these teams. I think uh if they play either of them it'll be done in six games. I do think because of the coaching and the uh, defensive advantage like you're talking about Tamim, the Spurs would have a better chance against the Blazers. But mm-hmm. I think the Blazers are they're making the Western Conference finals, man. So <laughs> Well I mean it's uh it's not a it's not a given yet. I wouldn't I, I think the Blazers will win, but I wouldn't go that far. Just you really, know. I mean, like the, series, I don't know. the series still needs to be played. You know what I no, mean? I, I wouldn't just. I agree, just but say I they're mean, in the Western Conference Finals. I, maybe I'm overreacting to how they played in the first round, but I don't know. I, yeah, I mean I they think... played. They played really well, and I think whoever they play, they'll win. Um, but I actually, I think the Nuggets would give a little bit more trouble to the Blazers um, than I think you guys are expecting them to because. Kind of what we talked about, how without Nurkic being there, um, we all expected Adams to make a difference in the post and um, elevate the Thunder over the Blazers. He doesn't have that skill set, but a guy like Jokic, who does have the skill set, who can score on his own and can pass and can kind of rebound, I think that's actually going to have trouble, going to be trouble for the Blazers if the Nuggets do end up winning because Zach Collins and Leonard and whatever other big men they have, Canner, they're actually not great defenders against a guy like that you know against a guy like adams maybe they can hold their own but against a guy like that against Jokic with paul Millsap in the back and then a bunch of shooters around them i think that's a little bit more difficult for the blazers to deal with than anything they dealt with uh against the thunder especially down low which is where their weak point is right yeah that's um, fair that being said i think they'll still win in six damien's probably still gonna go off and um mccollum and all Camino and all their guys are gonna play if they can continue playing the way they they did, they'll probably win in six. But um, I think the Nuggets would give them trouble on the defensive end. That's fair. That's fair. Do um, you guys think McCollum and Lillard are the third best uh, guard combo in the league after uh, oh, the Rockets absolutely. and the Warriors? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty easy for me to say yeah, as I, well. I can't really see anyone who's better, to be honest. Think about it off the top of my head. But yeah, cool. So we'll uh, we'll jump to the rest of the second round matchup. We'll start with Raptors and Seventy Sixers. Um, Personally, I have a lot of opinions about this one, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts first. Yeah, I think Raptors win easily. Um, so I I haven't been shy about my criticism of the 76ers. Hey, you I were think wrong this in the looks... last round, though. Hey, they, they, they well, made the I, mess I look pretty bad. Seven, 
I actually think they would have won. I think they would have won Game Four had it not been Dudley getting ejected. But Jimmy Butler got ejected, and he means a lot. Yeah, more. but he's the best you, player on the you, team. If you look at the net rating for Butler and uh, and Dudley for that specific game, Dudley was far outperforming him in terms of his, his net impact. And I think I think because the the the, uh, the Nets are a team that they lack wing debt, so it's depth. So it's not even that um, Dudley's that great of a player. It's more so they don't really have anyone else that could fill in for him. And when they went to their small ball lineups with Dudley playing the center, they were really effective. So just have it just because he, he was a great Ben Simmons defender as well. He knew how to he knew how to play him. He was a smart veteran. But I think um, I think Raptors take it easily just because if you look at Marcus Saul, he's been he throughout the series he's done a great job defending what what it is the um, the Sixers do best, which is go to Embiid. Yeah. So he's he's, he's he's been a great he's been a he's been a great he's been a great defender on an Embiid. And I think um, the the Raptors have enough players offensively to take advantage of, uh, of uh, Redick as well, and they also have enough athleticism to sort of um, take away things that the the Sixers like to do on on the offense and um, sort of ignore Simmons while also taking away his easy baskets, which is similar to what the what the Celtics did last year. Yeah, exactly. Um, you won't get any differing opinions from me. I think this is a series where the 76ers get exposed. Um, you know, because they're playing... Kawhi Leonard is going to be the best player on the floor at all times. And No offense to Jimmy Butler, but I think Jimmy Butler is just a tier below uh, how Kawhi Leonard is as a player. Um, Pascal Siakam is a great player. Uh, Danny Green. I, I Honestly, the Raptors team, like the starting five, is basically almost an all-defensive team with Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Siakam, and Marcus Gasol. Like that's basically like you're trotting out like almost an all yeah. NBA defensive team. That's a fantastic defensive team. Yeah, that's a great point. Exactly, and I think if you look at the way that the Raptors play, they communicate well. They uh, they're not going to get overwhelmed at all at any position. Like I think the Nets, they did a really, they had a great game plan to defend the Sixers. They just kind of lacked the physical talent to keep up, and they had a few mental breakdowns with Simmons. But that's not going to happen with the Raptors. So, yeah, and the the Raptors are they're so much more athletic. Exactly, the Raptors are yeah. such a like. So they they have team. the personnel to match to match what they want to do and what they and, and the way you stop the 76ers, which is ultimately to ignore Simmons to some capacity. Yeah, and I think Simmons gets uh, really exposed in this series because a lot of people have been talking about his like defense on point guards. I really haven't seen it yet, man. He couldn't even stop. Yeah, it's Russell. not that like, impressive. I, I haven't seen it. Like a lot of people think that he's playing good defense. Like, yeah, okay, he has the tools. Like, it looks like like the guy has the tools to play good defense, but I haven't seen it. And I think, like, um, you know, when you're talking about the Raptors, there's a lot of players you got to stop. You got to stop the shooting from the outside. You got to stop kind of like their bench units that come out and play well as well. Um, and then you have to stop Kawhi Leonard. But if, if Simmons lets Kyle Lowry get going too, I, I talked about in the last podcast how he has trouble with the smaller guards. Um, I, I think it's game over for the Sixers. So. I don't know, Ebo. If you wanted to yeah. add any more thoughts, um, no, I, I think you guys pretty much covered. It. I don't have any disagreement there. I think what you said about Simmons and his defensive ability—he has the tools physically. He's a beast, but um, I, I, I just don't think he's a very skilled player in general. You know, and that's something that he could probably work on as he goes on. But against smaller guards, he's going to have trouble. Against Kyle Lowry, if Kyle Lowry is playing well, he'll have trouble. He's not going to really be able to guard anyone else. Uh, you know, if he's 
against the bench unit, Van Vliet, whoever, uh, he's just not going to be able to do it. So defensively, I don't think the Sixers can really do much against the Raptors. And then, like you guys said, um, or like you said, Ronak, the Raptors starting five is basically just a all defensive team. So yeah, and they're uh, yeah. At, one through five. They're all athletic. They're all guys that can yeah. get out. They're all athletic. They have, a, they have an advantage from the talent perspective. They have an advantage from the perspective of the way they play basketball. Um, and then they they have Kawhi Leonard, who can dominate the game and control the game at any point. If it does get close, because I'm sure it will, if it does get close, I would trust him to close out any game against the Sixers. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I think the other like big thing is Joel Embiid, is, uh, as like a player, he kind of, like uh, speaking to the Raptors' offense, he kind of lacks the foot speed to chase players around the perimeter. And the Raptors really like to set up with five guys uh, outside the three-point line most of the time. Mm-hmm. And with especially the yeah. kind of skilled player Gasol is, I think it can cause Embiid a lot of problems, especially when he's on like a gimpy knee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he hasn't played fantastic against uh, Marc Gasol in his career. Um, just He's rebounded well, but offensively he's been poor. He's averaged like 14 points a game when he matches up against Marc Gasol. So... I think it's going to be difficult for him on both ends of the floor. Um, if the Sixers have any success, it'll be with Embiid, but it's going to be really tough for him, man. Because yeah. it's hard to beat a team that shoots as much as the Raptors um, when, you know, on the other end, you're just dumping it off to your big man down low. That's just going to put you at a disadvantage from the get-go, you know? Exactly. And also, I think a big X factor for the Sixers is uh, is going to be Jimmy Butler and then also Tobias Harris. Like, both of them are going to have to play, like, an extremely high level if the Sixers have any chance of winning. And I don't think that they... I think they'll play well. I don't think the issue with the Sixers is how uh, Tobias... I mean, Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler, I expect them to play really well, but um, the Sixers really live and die with Embiid and Simmons and how good or bad those guys are doing. Yeah, I agree exactly, and I think, but I think that you know, in order but to success, they're, 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 they're going to have to have players play, play well. like a like a Damian Lillard kind of level in order for them yeah. to pull out a win. But anyway, so since since we're all super down on the Raptors and or sorry on the Sixers, I decided to make the wager more fun this time. So, do you think the Raptors will win an over or under five and a half games? Oh wow! So it's it's That's a tough hard. one. It's like you got to really hate the Sixers or. <laughs> To think that's going to go on. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I don't think the Sixers are that bad. So it's, I, it's I definitely possible for them to win two games. Yeah, I agree with that. I think like win it's not out of the question. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. For me, I'm, I'm going to say under. I'm a huge Raptors guy. I think that they're a really good team. I think the way they kind of embrace analytics, like that, that's kind of what Nick Nurse is known for. And he always has his team on the right positions on the floor. And I think the Sixers just get really exposed this series. I don't think the Sixers are on the same level. So that's why I think that the Raptors will give up no more than one game. Yeah, I mean, I, if I were to if I were to make a guess, I would say it's, it's going to be six or five, and it, it could be either or. Exactly. So that's hard. Yeah. I mean, hey, that, yeah. that, means, that means I made a good line, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm totally with, yeah. with you guys on that one. Cool, cool. I would actually, I, you know, I, I, think, I think I'll give the Raptors five, though. I oh, so be, you want to go too. under too, Cam? Yeah, I'll go. I'll go under as well. Actually, nice. hey, Ibrahim, it's not too late to jump ship, bro. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I'm. I want to go under, and I. And if it goes under, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised. But just, just yeah. fundamentally you know speaking, fundamentally speaking, the Raptors have they have like the athleticism to stop 
the Sixers offense completely. And I, I just think that there might be one game where one or two games where they have uh, Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, just hit incredibly difficult shots. Exactly. And, and uh, what, so, what was their record in the regular season against each other? Uh, so I don't think it was very relevant because Tobias Harris didn't play a single game against the Raptors. Uh, most of them okay. before the the trade deadline. But um, okay. I'll, I'll pull it up right now. Um, I believe, yeah. Okay, so if you pull it up right now, the Raptors won three to one. Okay. Um, um, but at the same time, right? Like a lot of it wasn't with the full team. So right. Yeah. Know. That's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I'll go under. Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay. We got three unders. Then. Yeah. I think I go under. Cause I mean, like I said, it's, it wouldn't be crazy for the Sixers to win two games. They're, they're not a terrible team, but yeah, I mean, the Raptors just are on another level. And, um, I think Kawhi is getting better and better. I think Kyle Lowry is getting better. Uh, Van Fleet didn't shoot particularly great in the first round i think he'll probably hopefully for them play a little bit better and then guys like pascal siakam who his confidence level is at an all-time high right now he's clear-cut second option for them on the offensive end um and defensively he's fantastic on both ends so yeah i mean van vliet was a uh, yeah 38 percent from the field 7.2 points uh not very good but at the same time i think he's a really good defender as well but anyway, yeah. I'm going to jump to some other series. There's a, the Bucks celtics and the Warriors-Rockets series are going to be great, too. Uh, which one do you guys want to tackle first, Warriors-Rockets or Bucks celtics Bucks celtics first, maybe. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think it's a little easier. Yeah, so um, th- th- I think this one is where, one where op- opinion ruler would be split. Um, some guys are Celtics people. Some people like the Bucks. Uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I have Celtics here, and I have Celtics just because I think the – the Bucks. One of the things that we've seen throughout the throughout the regular season, at least, is that when you when you have a team that has multiple stars, uh, it's a lot harder for Giannis to do everything on his own. So, what was the exact record Celtics versus Bucks in the regular season? Uh, let me pull that up really that? fast. But uh, one thing I will say about the multiple stars thing, Tamim, if you're implying the Celtics mm-hmm. have multiple stars, I don't. Well, I think not it's... necessarily multiple stars, but they have multiple offensive weapons that can make things mm-hmm. happen. And I have several of my point. Yeah, and so they're not necessarily guys where it's you know they're they're a superstar, but I think Jalen Brown gives you a lot. I think their point guards are guys who give you a lot. Um, Kyrie Irving gives you a lot, and then like I like I mentioned in the earlier podcast, Gordon Hayward is really starting to come into his own. He's he's running that second unit, um, and he's he's getting assists. He's he running the pick and roll nice. He's fine. He's finding ways to be effective offensively, and so when you just have like a constant attack the Celtics do. I don't think that Giannis is enough because besides Giannis, the, the next option for the Bucks is really Eric Bledsoe. And I don't think he's, I don't think that'll be enough. I think Eric Bledsoe has been pretty good this year though, man. Eric Bledsoe has actually been really underrated on both ends of the floor. He's been fantastic defensively. And um, the way he's he's playing on offense as well is really good. You know, I see your Uh, points. I totally see your points. I don't know. I think Bledsoe is better than you expect. If you if you force Bledsoe to shoot and you force him to shoot consistently, I think there's ways you can stop that. You can stop that second unit they have. Because yeah. he's not he's not a, he's not a crazy shooter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Bledsoe is not a great it's shooter, fair. but at the same time, I think you look at the way that the Bucks play opens up space for all the guys who are questionable shooters because everyone else is a shooter. It's like the opposite of the Thunder. Like their their star players aren't shooters, but 
everyone else is a shooter. So it is yeah. kind of the, sp the floor gets spaced open so much that it's like, all right, now can you stay in front of these guys? And no one can stay in front of Giannis. Eric Bledsoe is one of the fastest and most like it just like he can get to the rim, like not quite at the level of Russell Westbrook, but uh, sometimes when you see no, he's quick, rim, like he is fast and he can finish. And then Middleton, yeah. Middleton's kind of a crafty guy that they kind of set up more in like the low post and stuff just to kind of like against a smaller guard and let him go to work too. And I don't know. I just really like the way that the Bucks play, man. And I think the Celtics, uh, there's a reason that they're only the fourth seed in the East. And while they are, they have some players like Gordon Hayward playing better uh, going into the playoffs. The, the thing for the Celtics uh, that I think is that I think other than Kyrie, there's not another guy that's consistently really good. And because they have like a little less perimeter shooting than the Bucks do, I think that's, a, that's the difference in the series. I think the Bucks uh, ancillary players have an easier chance to score more points because those guys are all such effective three-point shooters. Like you mentioned Jalen Brown, like he's not that good of a shooter, man. Um, he's athletic, yeah, but I think that... Well, it's, it's you different. also have Al Horford. You have other guys that can do things. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Horford, can do Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving. Uh, Rozier, pretty inconsistent. Um, Brown's pretty inconsistent this year. But it's, you know, the, the Celtics, they play whoever has the hot hand. That's the guy that's going to take a second shot for the second unit. So, you know, they, they, play, they play team ball, and I think... The advantage, the competitive advantage the Bucks have had throughout the regular season and the playoffs is they play team basketball and they play smart. They play efficient ball as well. And so when you have a team that plays just as, just as smart and efficient as them, you, you, uh, they can run into problems, I think, when you have a team that's more talented, which I think the Celtics are. So yeah, I think you know, the Celtics are going to have trouble on the great. defensive end, though, without Marcus Morris. Uh, just without Marcus Smart. Marcus guarding Morris, soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Without Smart. Without Marcus Smart. Yeah, my bad. Um, doesn't well, have some well, trouble on the defensive end. Smart, him, you know, he wasn't he wasn't going to guard their best player anyways. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, but he was going to take away Bledsoe or Middleton. Player. Like, I would have a lot more faith in them stopping Bledsoe or Middleton if they had Marcus Smart in the game. Right? Exactly, exactly. And the Bucks shooters have killed it in the first round. I mean, they killed it. Middleton shot forty six percent. Brooke Lopez and Meritage both shot thirty eight percent. Sterling Brown shot like sixty percent. Connerton and Ursan Ilyasova both shot close to 40%. So they have guys all over the court in different arrays of positions who can shoot the ball really, really well. And then you have Giannis who no one can stop and he can pretty much dictate whatever he wants to do in the half court, in the post, in the transition, wherever. You know what I mean? And I just don't think the Celtics are going to have an answer for that at all. And without Marcus Morris, if Giannis dumps it off to Middleton or Giannis dumps it off to Bledsoe, I just don't have as much confident confidence in the Celtics being able to stop that consistently throughout seven games. And I totally see your point to me about them offensively having so many guys who can score and, and um, you know, they go with whoever has a hot hand. That's a great point. And I think that's why it'll go to seven games. But ultimately, I just think they're going to have a lot of trouble stopping Giannis and then seven guys who can shoot lights out, you know? Exactly. So is the, is the line here seven games? Uh, no, I mean, it's a uh, buck six and a half actually, but so I think we're all going to go over on that, but you know, because of opinion split, I'm just going to make it a pick em, just so it's like more fun because obviously yeah. everyone's going to go over six and a half. So bucks or Celtics, Tamim, do you have the Celtics? I got Celtics. Yep. Bucks, Ibrahim. Yeah, I got the bucks. Yep. I got the bucks as well. So we'll see what happens. Um, me and Tamim have a friendly lunch bet on this series. Um, <laughs> as we do, How many lunch bets do you guys have? 
Uh, well, Tam still owes me a lot of lunches from another bet a while back. <laughs> I owe him a lot of lunches, actually. I bet nah. him 10 lunches. That Washington State would be ranked ahead oh, of Florida. How many have you gotten out of that, Rona? How, how many lunch? Like, oh, I think we've had like three or four lunches, Tam. But okay, we need to have some sure. more soon. Yeah. yeah. You got a couple okay, of more, bro. Yeah. You still got a couple more, bro. But uh, we have another lunch bet, actually, and it's on the next series the Warriors and the Rockets. And, um, this is one, Tam's a Rockets fan, so he's pretty fired up about this one. Uh, it's a lot closer than, you know, that p- anyone thought um, it could be. You know, everyone's, like, really thinking the Warriors are are on their way to another finals. But right now, it's not looking so good for them. So, I don't know. What do you guys think about this one? Yeah, like I, like I mentioned earlier, I think it's going to be the Rockets. The Rockets take this game. It'll probably, be se- it'll probably be seven games, but I just think that the Rockets have enough on the offensive side of the ball where – um, they'll be able to keep up with the Warriors in terms of scoring, and we've seen that throughout the regular season. I think they had, you know, NBA's second best offensive efficiency since the All Star break. There, I think they were the number one offense. I could be wrong here, but they, but they've been great um, all year in offensive side of the ball since the since the All Star break. They have been, I think, they second in defensive efficiency. So they're picking it up on defense. They've actually been playing defense at a more consistent rate than the Warriors have, and I think. Um, just the Clipper series by itself shows me the, the Warriors have fundamental flaws. And I think it's enough to the point where the Rockets have, have, you know, they can win the series if everyone's effective or if everyone's healthy and effective. And so I, one of the things, so they played nine guys. I, I want to see them continue to play nine games. I, I know one of the things Dan Tony likes to do is he likes to shorten his rotation, especially when they play teams that they're, you know, um, supposed to be outmatched against. I think they have to play with nine guys minimum just because I don't want to see what happened last series where wing players get tired towards the end of the series. And then but do you think a guy like Gerald Green Bruce. is really going to be effective? You know, like Gerald yeah, Green, think, how much is I he really helping the, the cause for I the Rockets and the Warriors? I think he's great off the bench because he's a guy that can shoot threes in transition. And that's his, that's one shot where the, the, the Rockets are happy with. The Rockets are happy with him shooting threes. He shoots at a pretty high clip. So if if you can get a couple shots off the bench where instead of Chris Paul is a running pick and roll and he's isolating off the bigs, if JL Green can just get a couple of shots off and transition, make a couple, that could be huge for them. And he so Gerald Green actually played he played a lot last year for the, in the playoffs as well. And I think his defense is effective enough to stop the Warriors and what they do. So they're a perimeter team. He's not he's not going to be a guy that's going to be able to defend uh, Kevin Durant in the post, but he's a guy that can. Um, get on and contest Clay Thompson and, and Curry with, with their split actions like, like they do because he, he's quick, he's athletic. So I think he'll he'll be enough. Um, and I think he'll he needs to play a couple minutes just to keep guys fresh. Yeah, I mean I think he has to shoot better though. He's only shot like thirty one percent. Yeah, in the first yeah, round. But, but he's, he's like same one with Daniel three House. Three Daniel House was like twenty seven percent. So I think yeah, you're you're right. But some of their shooters need to shoot better for them to really have a chance to to yeah. beat the Warriors. Because the thing with will. the yeah, and I'm sure, I, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt that they step up. But the thing with the Warriors is when you're, when the Warriors shooters are the three best shooters in the league, pretty much, um, you can pretty much just count on them shooting at an extremely high clip, you know. And toward the end of the series, when you're playing in Golden State in Game Seven or something, uh, the Warriors are just going to come at you. It's going to be like a flood, you know. And if if the Rockets, kind of like last year, if they go cold in any game, then that's going to be it, you know? And I think there's just a higher chance of the Rockets going cold than in the Warriors going cold because when you have Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson, 
each of them could score 30 points for you at any given time, right? Yeah. James Harden is pretty much the only guy who can do that for the Rockets. And if the rest of his teammates are cold, there's nothing they can do, right? There's absolutely nothing they can do. And we've seen that happen in the past. So that's, for me, that's the one thing where I'm worried about the Rockets' chances in a game seven or in a series overall is that they can step it up defensively. They can match up with them offensively. They can shoot really well, but they have to maintain that for seven games. And that really, really puts a lot of pressure on all your role players, right? If you have a nine man lineup that puts pressure on like six or seven guys to match up the shooting of the warriors who Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant. that's really difficult. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think, so the, like, I think one of the things, the Warriors, their defense isn't as great as it was last year. And I think the other thing to pay attention to, the other thing to pay attention to, it's just, it's not going to, the Warriors role players aren't as good as they have been playing in traditionally speaking. Outside of their big three, everyone else is kind of just, you don't really know what their roles are. Especially as yeah, the Warriors, the Warriors depth now compared to their team two or three years ago is like completely gone. And I think that's kind of been the biggest difference in this team. And, you know, the 73 and nine team or even the team that Kevin Durant first came on to was that, yeah. They just don't really have any depth, man. They have like four guys. And then after that, it's kind of just like plug and play and hope for the best. Yeah. I mean, kind of the thing is like, we all kind of know the word is vulnerabilities right now, but I think the jazz exposed some of Houston's vulnerabilities. I think they kind of showed like, okay, Houston has guys who can shoot, right? Like house is a great shooter, but I think they made house very uncomfortable. That's why he's shooting only 27% from three point range. Uh, like he's a good example of what the jazz are doing. They're forcing House to make plays off the dribble, right? Because they're closing him out really fast. They're kind of adjusting their rotations so that as soon as Harden beats you, you rotate to the shooter. And I think the Rockets were a little taken aback by that. And unfortunately, the Jazz offensively couldn't do enough to kind of take advantage of the surprise that kind of the Rockets felt when they were doing that. But I think it has affected some of the shooters. And when you make players like Daniel House that's not used to making plays, when you force him to make plays, uh, it becomes a little tougher for the Rockets' offense in general, and I think uh, the series will just come down to adjustments for me. It's kind of it's going to be kind of like who's a better coach, like Mike D'Antoni or Steve Kerr. Um, yeah, it's who's going to adjust and who's going to make the right adjustments to get their team to win. And I think that's what it's going to come down to. And honestly, I, I couldn't tell you which coach is going to do better. I, I just because of the Warriors' pedigree, I have faith that they'll figure it out and they'll win. But if the Rockets end up winning in seven games, it wouldn't surprise me at all, to be honest. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah. So all the do all of us think it's gonna be a seven game series or what? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. So. Seven yeah, game series. So. Um, that's yeah. why the line is a pick'em. But um, I had the Warriors. Um, I think Ebo has the Warriors. You have the Rockets, right, Tamu? I got the Rockets right now. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Gotta gotta save my pick. No, I feel yeah, you. Yeah, and I, I would too. Yeah, I would too. I, I because they have a really good chance. I think they have the great, Rockets probably a better chance than they did last year. Well, yeah, what the Rockets yeah, have done so. is very I legitimate. So I think after, like, last year, I kind of felt like, all right, Paul's getting injured all the time. Um, they lost a reason, lost in Bamute, but I couldn't really see coming. Like, they picked up really good players just out of nowhere in the middle of the season that have contributed. Yeah. Like, Austin Rivers and Daniel House, like, just coming out of nowhere and just being very valuable contributors um, kind of got them right back to the way they were, where they were last year. And it'll be really interesting to watch the series. Um, I think this is what I've been looking forward to the most for the entire playoffs. And I'm glad it's here, so it'll yeah, be a good time. Uh, it's, it's the best matchup. It's a shame that it's not in the Western Conference Finals, but regardless of that, it's still a really good series. And I mean, uh, that's a name only. We all know this is really the Western Conference Finals. 
Um, yeah, I, I actually, I actually think that there's an advantage for the Rockets playing the Warriors in the second round. Yeah, you're less they're, tired. Yeah, they're more, they're more fresh right now. The Warriors are a deeper team, mm-hmm. so the earlier you play them, the better. Yeah, yeah, of and I think for the Warriors, um, it's also good though because maybe Kerr's like, fuck it, like this is our, this is like the game, this is serious. We have to win. Why don't we just make the rotation as short as possible for this series? And then we can rest people for the next series if we somehow get through this one. So I mean, I think it's yeah. a, it's a double, 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 double sided coin. I think for me, it's just it's which coach is going to adjust. And you know, from both sides, I really don't know what the adjustments will be right now. But I think uh, one coach in the series is going to make some adjustments that makes everyone just go, "Wow, like wow, yeah. like coaching genius." And the coach has to be willing to do that, right? Like this is the series where you have to just throw out whatever you thought worked and it's not working, and just go with all right this is this is the adjustment that i need to make and i'm more inclined to believe that steve kerr will, will do that more than mike d'antoni will do that based on mike d'antoni's past as a coach because i think a lot of times mike d'antoni has not adjusted in playoffs and he hasn't thrown out his game plan or adjusted the way he's needed to and that's resulted in losses at times and so i'm more inclined to believe that steve kerr will do that but yeah i think at some point a coach is going to have to make that decision and that's what's going to change the series. Yeah, but I think one of the things with the Warriors is they, they only have so many options of what they with how they play. They don't have a lineup where they can play five shooters. Or because if you think about it, they're Iguodala, he's been horrible this year in terms of shooting the ball. So they don't have a guy that and like what what other wing can they put in instead of Iguodala? So that's the difference right now. That's true, but they can so in the past they have they had Swaggy P. They had certain guys that could come off the bench and shoot the ball for them, aside from Curry, Clay, and KD. So, yeah, that's that's a fair point. I just think that their their offense, with kind of the players that they have, is prolific enough still where they can be a dominant offense without having to only shoot. You know what I mean? Like they can still efficiently score in the mid range and down low and throw in shooting and score as much as the Rockets can. And they've done that all year, right? Like they don't shoot as many threes as the Rockets. They haven't had yeah. to because they can still find other effective ways to score without being inefficient on the offensive end. Yeah. I just, you know, just to close on this, I think it, I would compare this series to, if you guys remember when the Warriors lost to the Cavs, the, I think the, the a big reason they lost is because Harrison Barnes played absolutely horrible and they didn't have a, have a small floor that can shoot the ball consistently. He went, he was really, really bad um, from beyond the three-point line against the Cavaliers, and that's that's something the Cavaliers took advantage of. They just laid back on on Harrison Barnes and let him shoot, and he was he wasn't making the shots. So I think that's something that could repeat itself um, this series. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's going to be like about uh, the Warriors' defense. I think is going to be the most important thing because, like, offensively they have the weaknesses, right? It's about are they going to d up and be able to stop the Rockets? You know? Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I, I'm excited for these series, man. Um, it's been great talking to you guys. So, uh, you know, enjoy. Enjoy watching them. And I will talk to you guys next time. Take it easy. Yeah, man. Thanks for having us. Uh, Thank you for having us. It's great being on all the time. Yep. And we'll uh, we'll see who answers ahead in the little competition we're having. All right. See yes, you guys sure. later. All right, man.